Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Let's head up to Denton. And John, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. I have a question for you. Uh, and I'm, I'm just asking your opinion just because from the industry you might know. Uh, my neighbor just had a, a a new fence put up, you know, wooden fence between us. Their, uh-huh. their house burned back, back last December. They just had this fence put up. But it's the backside, you know, of the fence that face, is, faces my property. And the people that put the fence up just did a pathetic job. I mean, you just, I, I can hardly believe people that get paid to do fencing would do such a horrendous job. But anyway, my question is, just from experience, do you know if I have any recourse to get them to do that job over and make them do it right? What What is the issue? What, what, what didn't come out right? Well... Just for example, I mean, there's a whole laundry list of things that they did wrong. But just for example, uh, we had put up the wooden panels. And, you know, those panels have two by three. So while I prefer the two by four, if it had been me, I would have just gone back with two by three just to make it match. But they used two by fours. Well, not only did they use the two by fours, but they didn't make them level at all with the cross bars that were already there. Just, uh, oh, I mean, it's just terrible looking. Uh, yeah. So, I, you know, I just want them to make it at least look decent. Sure. But, well, the, uh, the contractor is saying, well, unfortunately, you have the back side of the fence. Well, I don't care. I still want it to look decent. Did the, did the other property owner put up the fence, or or did you put it up? A, a contractor, or I guess, you know, a subcontractor that, right. that's actually doing work on the house put the fence up also. Right, but but were they working for you or, or working for one of your neighbors? They working for the neighbor. Okay, so the unfortunate thing is, it's very common. Uh, you know, one side has the pickets and is made to look real nice; the other side doesn't. In norm, you put the nice side out facing your neighbors, and you put the two by fours and stuff for the uh, runners facing your own house uh, is what most people do. Uh, but right. there's nothing that says that they can't do it the other way. Now, your choice yeah. is you can put pickets on it uh, so that it's got pickets on both sides of the fence and both sides then look like the finish side. Yeah. Well, I just... <laughs> I mean, it, it's just terrible. The 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 new two befores that they put up are not not even close to being level with the two by threes yeah. that are already there. I mean, it's 
it, it, it is really a bad job, but I, uh, I don't know what I can do about it to make them come back and do it right. Uh, since you don't have the contract with them, probably nothing. You'd have to get with your neighbor yeah. and and get them to to get them back out there. All right. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. I just wanted to you know see if maybe you had uh, some idea. I, yep. I sure appreciate it. You bet. Take care. Uh, and again, on, on fencing, one side always looks better than the other unless you put pickets on both sides. Richard and Granberry, how can I help you? Hey, Jim. I love your show. Uh, thank you. And thank you for taking my call. Hey, listen, I have two questions. One, the first one, I have an outbuilding. It's a wellhouse slash garage. And I want to add on, let's say it's a 25 by 15. I want to add on one of the, it doesn't matter the dimension, but on the narrow side, I want to add on some slab. Do uh-huh. I have to dig a footing for the tie-in side or because that will no longer be a load-bearing wall? Can I tie in the slab with drilling holes in the slab with rebar or should I just do a footing? Uh, you need to do both. Uh, when oh, I do a, a, an add-on like that, um, I will dig a new footing right next to the old footing and yep. dig up underneath the old footing, typically about six inches. And I drill my rebar at an angle, uh, angling from the top, angling from the bottom, every 16 inches, flipping it back and forth. And so then, you're tying in the footings then? I'm tying them together because uh, I don't want them moving independently. I want it one piece when it's done. Uh, And I've been able to lay tile across those kind of joints. Okay. So that's... uh, I'm going to put you on hold, Richard. Uh, You'll be first up when we come back. Richard, sorry about that, but when it's time for news, traffic, and weather, I got to go. Hey, no sweat, Jim. I got you. Hey, so do you just make the ties between the footings, or do you go lateral ties out of the old, say, four-inch three-and-a-half-inch, four-inch top slab as well as the footings, or what do you do? No, I, when I'm doing it, I'm doing it just down in the in the footings themselves. Okay, so you're going straight across. Uh, footing to footing, straight across. Correct. Or you said diagonals, no, 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 right? I, I'm, I'm angling, so it's uh, turning up and down, so it can't just pull apart. Okay, gotcha. All right, next question. Sure. I have a, a home in town that was built about five years ago and some decorative exterior cedar i don't know what it was finished with but the portions that are exposed to sunlight have obviously uh undergone uv deterioration and those same spots some has some black junk which i think is mold and so I thought, well, heck, I'm going to do what you said and put ready seal on it, but I don't know how to prep it. So is that something I have to blast, scrape with a wire brush, or what? Well, typically, if it's older wood that you're going to put ready seal on, uh, they've got some instructions on using a bleach and water mixture. Uh-huh. And uh, you, you'll put that on, and what that'll do is, uh, one, it, it'll 
bleached the old gray off of the wood to make it look like newer lumber. And then you hit it lightly with the pressure washer to clean everything off of it, let it dry, and then you can apply the ready seal. Now, should I, the, the, uh, let's just say the, I mean, I have no idea what the old finish is, but the stuff that still remains, should right. I try to get that off of there before I put the ready seal on? Yes. Okay. All right. Because a lot of the old finishes had a hard surface finish on it that uh, won't let the ready seal soak in. Right, exactly. I, I'm thinking this is something equivalent to Sparvar, but I, I don't know. So Yeah. Okay, cool. Hey, thanks. Okay. thanks for you help. bet. I appreciate, I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. I found this one interesting. This came from uh, Wes and Richardson. He says, Jim, my 30-year-old wood fence is in need of replacement. It is 105 linear feet, 8 foot tall, with two gates. I'd like to know if hardy board is a reasonable replacement. Does hardy make 1x4x8 suitable for fencing? They don't. Uh, hardy board is a siding, uh, and it's it's... A fence would require structural boards, and hardy is not a structural board. So what is the cost premium over stained cedar, if any? Is installation more difficult and therefore more expensive? Is this a cost-effective alternative to wood? Thanks for all your help. Sure to enjoy your Saturday show. Keep up the good work. We appreciate you. Well, thank you very much, Wes. I appreciate that. Um, no, go with the cedar. Now... You can go with a treated plank if you'd like. Make sure it's treated for ground contact. But one of the nice things about using cedar over treated is as it dries, and no matter what kind of wood you use, it will dry with time, the treated lumber will tend to crack and twist and things like that that you don't get with the cedar fence. And if you put like a ready seal on a cedar fence, it's going to keep it looking gorgeous for years to come. So uh, that gives you a way to, to put the fence and not have to worry about it. The one at my office, we built that uh, 16 years ago now. I put cedar side on it. Not cedar side. I put ready seal on it, on that cedar, every four or five years. And it just keeps it looking gorgeous and, and keeps it protected. You'd never guess that's a 16-year-old fence. So that would be the, the direction I would recommend you go. You know, I, I was uh, driving down the road the other day and, and looking at the age of some of the houses. And, and uh, in fact, this morning, I'm actually in Pasadena today. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a member of the Pasadena Livestock Show and Rodeo. I live in Dallas, but I grew up here in Pasadena. And, and uh, so I still do qu quite a bit of, I'm in Pasadena every week, so I still do a lot of stuff in Pasadena. And being part of the rodeo is one of them. And we did our parade this morning. And, and I was telling my wife as we were going th down Spencer Highway on the, on the parade, I said, you know, I, I look at these neighborhoods and I think back when I was in high school, I grew up in a house that was built in 1926. So in 1980, that house, you know, we looked at it as being just an old house now we look at houses built in 76 and and we don't consider them all that old 
yet the years of age is the, is basically the same. Uh, you know, in, in if you looked for in 1980, if you looked for a house that was built in 1926, there just wasn't very many of them available. And what what were you talking a 50 54 year old house? Now, 54 year old house really just isn't all that old. I mean, my house that I live in in Double Oak up in in Dallas was built in 1973. It's 50. It, it's it's coming up on 50 years old, and I I just don't consider it that old a house. Uh, things that, the, the construction techniques changed drastically from the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Uh, well, you know, from the way we were building. And really the big transition time was in the 60s. We started insulating the houses. Our electric wiring changed. Uh, really that cha big change was in the late 60s into the 70s. Our plumbing changed. Uh, I mean, you go into the houses, some of them back in, in the, from the 1920s didn't even have plumbing in them. Uh, if they were in the city limits, a lot of them did. But uh, you get out in the country area, the, they didn't necessarily have it. Look at look at uh, the houses that are that same age to us now. Uh, I see no reason why, and I, I remember why this this where this came across my mind. I was going through a neighborhood where the homes were built during World War II, and they didn't have steel in the foundations because the steel was all going to the war effort. And they were building these houses simply because they were building a refinery and they needed a place for workers to live. So this whole neighborhood was built during World War II for oil workers that worked in these refineries. And the houses are are still there, but... The lack of steel has has really taken its toll on on these, and you know some of them. Yes, you can pick it up and put a new foundation under it, but that's so cost prohibitive that typically what people are doing is tearing them down and building a new house. And when I look at homes now of that same age, you know, if we're, if we're going fifty, sixty, seventy year old houses, we don't look at doing that anymore. We what we look at is how we're going to upgrade this home. Now, when we get into inner city homes and small homes yes the property itself becomes so valuable we look at tearing the house down and building a new house just because the property itself has the value to do that not the structure that's on the property uh but it, it's just it's one of those things that uh Times have really changed how we're looking at stuff and i got no reason to believe that the houses that uh were built in the 70s, the 60s, 70s, and, and 80s and such. Those are going to be 100-year-old houses, and we're not going to think a thing about it. I just don't see our building techniques change. And yes, they've been changing, but I haven't seen anything that's going to be that big switch change like we had when we started insulating homes. You know, when we started doing that, we dropped the wood inside the home. I mean, a house built in 26, it was solid wood inside and out. Then there was wall coverings over that solid wood. 
when we went into using sheetrock and insulation and and siding wood siding and such um it just drastically changed our building techniques okay let's head uh, back over to arlington i said ken you were going to be number one up welcome to wbap how can i help you Thank you, Jim. I, I appreciate your knowledge on uh, everything that people call in about. Thanks. So, yeah, I've got two questions about Ready Seal. Uh, one is I've got a uh, landscaper's trailer and put a new floor in it, and I've been using linseed oil on that wooden floor. And I wanted to know can you go over that with Ready Seal? You should be able to because linseed oil would soak in as well. So, uh, yes, it, it it's not creating a hard surface that doesn't allow anything to soak into the wood. Okay. So would, you know, say a year from now, um, will I need to ever use linseed oil again if I use reddish seal? No. Okay. So I put reddish seal on one time and I'm I'm good to go from then on, huh? Well, I I do my fences like every five years. Okay. All and right. I, and and uh, we're finding because uh, I do my trailers with the ready seal as well, and we're finding that about every five years keeps it looking real okay. good. All right, well, that's good to hear. Then the the other question I I hear a lot of people talk to you about ready seal and um, it's usually exterior. Uh, surfaces that they're discussing. And I wanted to find out, can you use reddish seal on the interior of a home, like wood floors or any woodwork in the home, wood doors? Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, I was over at Ready Seal, I don't know, probably two years ago, and I was talking with, with them about it. And uh, one of their uh, kids went off to college and they put ready seal on the kitchen cabinets and such and then we're able to spray a solid uh coating over it to seal it up you know just for for keeping it with that glossy look and uh so it and it worked fine so absolutely you can use it inside oh good i yeah i was kind of concerned i didn't know if there were any kind of fumes or anything like that that you'd be oh, a problem no. or not. Yeah. Nope. Okay. All right. That's perfect. You answered both my questions. Thank you so very much. Well you have a great afternoon. Okay. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Ron, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Good afternoon, Jim. Uh quick question about re grouting or refinishing grout in a master bathroom shower. Okay. I have uh, the the grout is in good shape. There's no cracks, no leaks, but it's just a little discolored over over the years with age, and uh, I was wondering if you refresh it. Do you oh take a grout saw or do do you remove part of the grout then regrout or is there a way to refresh the grout and make it look a little fresher and crisper again? It, it all depends on what's into the grout. Uh, in a lot of cases, uh, they can steam clean it. And it comes out looking gorgeous, and you don't have to actually redo it. Uh, if it's starting to chip and crumble some, that's typically when it's got to be ground out and new grout put in. Okay, it's a sanded grout, and as I said, there's no leaks. It's not. It's solid, but 
over the years, uh, you, you know, showers take uh, <laughs> a lot yep. of soap scum and cleaning, and uh, I think a little bit of the grout has been burned by two uh, by a direct bleach. Uh, being poured onto it that, that's what i've been told anyway i'm, I'm not 100 percent certain but yeah uh, and if you got you start getting into that kind of damage then yeah you're you're probably getting into where it needs to be ground down a little bit and a, a new layer of grout put in okay uh there's almost 700 linear feet of grout lines in this shower it's a, it's a fairly large shower do you do you recommend a certain tool to use? I'm I'm kind of a do-it-yourselfer. I'd like to maybe attempt it myself if uh, if you think it's something uh, a fairly adept person can tackle. Absolutely. In fact, uh, Dremel has an attachment that you can put on your Dremel tool uh, for taking the grout out. Works great. Good to know. I I I have a Dremel. I but I yep. I'm, I don't use it all that often, not like I should anyway. Yeah, I mean, those are handy little tools. Uh, you know, some of the stuff, it, I just find that the Dremel is real slow at, but for removing grout, they, they've got the perfect little grinding tool that does that, and uh, it, it really makes short time of it. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Mark, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Thanks, Jim. Um, about two months ago, I had a new uh, concrete patio put in, uh-huh. and um, it's developed spider cracks on the surface, and um, I assume that's from not working it well or too wet or whatever the case might be. I've got a couple different options I was given on how to fix it. One of them was to add like three quarters or an inch um, concrete or cement cap to it. Another one suggested uh, using acrylic cement, sand it a little bit to smooth out the rough bumps and then put the acrylic uh, concrete on top of it. Uh, wanted to see if you had any suggestions or recommendations. And the the cracks that you're seeing, this is just the, the, the small spiderweb type stuff? Because you mentioned yeah, they're, that, they're, that they, they were trying to smooth out some of the rough spots as well. No, um, uh, I'm assuming the, the cracking occurred because the concrete was too wet or not not worked well enough when it was curing a couple months ago when they put it in. But um, one of the recommendations on the acrylic cement I got was one person said, well, just use it. And the other one said, well, the acrylic cement is thin. You should um, sand it a little bit to get rid of the high bumps and stuff. So when you apply it, it, it goes on and seals more uniformly. Okay. Well, I mean, those are all viable options. Uh, you could do just a, an overlay of a uh, a decorative overlay on it as well. the 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 spider webbing is typically because the concrete dried too fast, and when we pour concrete and we're having those triple digit days, uh, the the moisture is pulled out of concrete so fast that it'll tend to get a, a little bit of spider webbing that way. It, honestly, it's not something that I'd lose any sleep over. All concrete's going to get cracks in it uh, on its own just through natural expansion and contraction. 
And those little spiderweb ones like that uh, really don't cause any issues and typically don't develop into anything further than what they are right now. But if you want to cosmetically hide them, I wouldn't be looking at a concrete overlay, but more of those uh, coatings that they can make it look like stone or brick or whatever you'd like it to look like uh, as more of a permanent type solution. And those are actually stronger than regular concrete. You know, typically a a patio is put in at 3,000 PSI and and those coatings are like 7,000. Oh, okay. Are they um, fairly thick then when they put that on um, or do something like that versus the acrylic? I, I understand the acrylic cement's more like an epoxy type. No, the, these are actually very thin, more in the uh, you know quarter inch range. Oh, okay, okay. Would would you at all recommend the acrylic cement, or is that something that just isn't recommended as a, the top uh, top choice? You know, my 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 only experience that I have seen with with the top coatings of some of the acrylic cements that way is they tend to over time chip off Uh, you know they're not going to be as strong as as the concrete the bond and so you're doing some work around the house you drop a hammer on it and you literally could chip some of it off okay and that's the reason i like those other coatings because the, the psi on them is so strong you drop the hammer on it, and it says, "Did you drop something?" You know, it it, it does it doesn't do anything to it. Is there any particular brand of those other coatings or stuff? No, no, it, it, it's all just the decorative coatings. Decorative coatings. Yep. Okay, and it it's a cement cement based decorative coating. Correct. Not epoxy based. Okay. Correct. Okay. Well, I appreciate uh, your um, advice. You bet. You have a good one. Rusty in Cyprus, as promised. How can I help you? Hi. Uh, your previous caller, I just got in the car and I heard him, and it's a problem that I'm having uh, to a degree like that. Uh, I've got a driveway that about the first three feet out from, from this, the grass has uh-huh. broken up in several places. And uh, to replace that, do I have to replace that whole area of concrete, or can they just cut, like, at four feet and replace that part? Well, they can cut it and just replace that part. It's going to show, though. But, yes, it definitely can be cut and done that way. Okay, because so what he was talking about, that uh, that type of, of caulk you do in the driveway, once I saw the cracks, what was happening, I started using that caulk, and uh, it really it stopped it. Yep. But it was a little well, too late before I realized what was happening. Yeah, and, and the reason it stops it is it, it, it keeps the water from getting underneath there and and moving the sand that's underneath the concrete. Right, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, well, I didn't know because it's something I've got to have done at some point. I've just put it off, and I didn't know if I had to do the whole thing or they could. I, I know it's going to be expensive regardless, but. Well, you know, if you do just a little section that. like that, uh, it, yeah. it's really not all that bad. All right. Well, that it looks kind of bad right now, and I yeah, I was thinking about trying to pry it up and then level it out, but that's too much work for this seventy-two year old. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do that. We're going to spring, and Bill, this is Jim. How can I help you? 
Hey, Jim, I've got a quick question about uh, I bought some surveillance cameras and I'm going to install them outside. And uh, I've got where I'm going to install them. I've got hardy plank and hardy uh, siding. I say, I mean the hardy trim and the hardy siding. And my question okay. is this: What I had planned to do was just like I would in regular wood, uh, do a pilot hole so I can, you know, screw the mounting into the uh, into the wood. And my question right. is: uh, am, Should I be concerned about the hardy type? cement or whatever the cement type stuff that it's composed of will it crumble and should i be worried about that or does it is it going to be about the same as dealing with wood it, it is a little bit different than dealing with wood you got to watch it you don't well wood you got to watch it you don't get too close to the edge as well but with the the you know cement type boards this way you got to be further from the edge than you would with wood uh don't don't drill anything closer than an inch from the edge. And if you've got wood behind the hardy, it's best if you can go into the wood to mount. Well, are there special screws just for the hardy? Well, they got special screws for installing hardy, but for doing something like what you're doing... No, uh, just use the regular stuff. Huh? Just... Yeah, just use the regular stuff. Now, if you if you're going to end up screwing it strictly into the hardy, then yes, I would get the hardy screws. Okay, and those are available at the box stores, I guess. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're right there in the aisle where they sell the uh, hardy. Uh, they'll have okay. the screws as well. All right. Well, look, I appreciate it. Enjoy your show. Thank you, sir. Have a great afternoon. Hey, thanks. Joe in Missouri City. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you, Jim. I want to talk about a solution to the NAT problem. They're coming from one of two sources. Number one, they're coming from the trap beneath the sink. Number two, they're coming from vegetable and uh, fruit peels uh, in preparation for the meal. The solution is twofold. Number one, take all of your garden uh, uh, fruit and vegetable waste, put it in a plastic bag, twist it around so that if there are any gnats in there, they can't get out. And uh, as an organic gardener, mine go directly into the garden. The second solution is take at the end of the evening, rinse out your uh, sink, uh, flush it real good, uh, add about uh, an eighth to a quarter of a cup of bleach so that the bleach stands in the uh, trap overnight. Uh-huh. And then take a rag or a sink stopper pl- uh, plug and plug it up so that if there are any live uh, gnats in there, they can't get into the house. Okay. So why did, why does that it only sense? come? Why does it only come uh, at this time of year for her? You think? It's seasonal. They like the warm weather, and they come okay. in with the fruits and vegetables. Certain fruits have a greater propensity for uh, attracting gnats, especially if they're organic. So they don't treat them with pesticides, so whatever's on the skin um, rides along with the the fruit and vegetables. Okay, well that makes sense. I appreciate the call. Easy solution, you just have to keep after it. Thank you, Joe. Bye. Heading to Dallas. Hello, Charles. Hey, Jim, you've talked about uh, some kind of an injection process for a concrete slab that's sinking, uh, and I'm just 
calling back to try to remember or get you to tell me again the name and contact information for those folks. Okay, and it, it's on, is it a slab or is it uh, driveway patios? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a little 10 by 10 corner of the driveway, which okay. is not attached, not attached to the garage or house slab. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, what we, what we were talking about was urethane injection. And uh, you can call my Due West office in the Dallas area. It's 972-406-0912, and we can take a look and help you out. Great. Is that a pretty uh, involved process, or I'm picturing something just in a truck, and they drive up and stick a tube under there and shoot it in there, and that's it? Almost. Uh, they drive up and they got to drill some holes through the concrete first, insert and put a what's called a, a, a zert in it, so that this gun that injects the foam it it latches on to that zert that's put into that hole, and then yes, it just injects the foam and starts expanding and picking up the concrete. How, how big of a hole and how many of uh, in a ten by ten area is all I'm talking about? Is it a, uh, the holes are typically five eighths in diameter? Okay, and they're usually three to six foot apart, de- depending okay. on how the, the settlement uh, is. I appreciate the information. Thank you, Jim. And I'll give you, you a- going to Montgomery. Hello, Ron. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? Good, sir. So we have a uh, problem with our upstairs. We have a, a two-story house, and we have, like, a mildew coming out behind the outlets and also uh, in the, uh, the fixtures, the uh, light fixtures. And I'm thinking maybe condensation built you know, from the heat and cool from our air conditioning up there. I was debating on putting in a uh, dehumidifier in the attic. Just didn't want to go that far. That wasn't the problem. It's not. Your your home is probably what fifteen years old. Uh, well, actually, it's only about four. Oh, well, they had an issue on some of the homes they built back in about fifteen years ago, and you you you've probably got the same issue. It is built too tight, and okay. your air conditioning system is not drawing fresh air in from anywhere. So it, it could be as uh. simple as. If you've got a fresh air intake on your system, it, it, it'd be a pipe that goes up out the roof. There's yes, an electronic flapper on there that maybe has the the electronic uh, switch maybe has failed, and so your system is trying to draw air in, and it's drawing it in through all the little openings it can find, and that's the plugs the light fixtures, all those things. Uh, so it's not going to be a complicated fix by any means. But begin with the AC system uh, and have that fresh air intake checked out. Great. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You bet. Jim, how can I help you? Uh, you know, I, I'm interested in buying a rental property, and I would like just something quick and dirty for estimates on if I have to do a rehab, what is a ballpark if I'm going to call somebody to do rehab, $35 a square foot to do general work. I'm not talking about foundation or roof or anything like that, but just general updates for a house. Is there such a number? Not anymore. 
There, there <laughs> used to be, but the the prices have been so volatile in it since uh, COVID hit, because it's it's not really just a matter of the labor anymore. Uh, materials have become a huge issue on getting materials to do the stuff. Now, I think that's starting to change a little bit because as the economy has been tightening up, the re- the new construction has started to slow, and we're going to see that trickle into remodeling is slowing. So, And a lot of the builders who are hiring all these guys to do new construction, well, the workers are all moving back into doing remodeling. That's going to help bring the cost of all this down. Uh, but just to give you a comparison, in building new construction, if you went back three years ago, 170 a square foot was right. very doable. Right now, it's 275 a square foot Whoa. for new, for new Whoa. construction. Yeah, it's a huge well, jump. What's that but, same scenario on a rehab? Every, every bit as much. Uh, in fact, rehab is typically a little more if you're doing additions and stuff. Now, just going in and, no, just, and yeah. uh, doing what's called make ready. Um, yeah, right. Th- if that's what you're talking about, that right, cost that is. Is, is right now dropping because of all the people okay. being laid off from the construction industry. So if mm-hmm. you're just now getting back into it, I would probably be budgeting something in the... Oh, goodness. It really depends on how much they're going to have to do. So I, I'm going to I'm gonna throw out probably 65 70 bucks 70 a square foot. Wow. God, it seems like just a few years ago it was like 25 to 35 Yeah. But, but a few years ago okay. you were buying a, a pickup truck for 20000 and now you're paying 50 <laughs> Okay. All right. Take care. Thank you very much. All righty. Take it easy. Bye. And, and you, just for everybody listening, that that price is definitely not cut in stone, and it is a hard-moving target. Uh, it is dr- drastically changing, especially based on skill levels. You know, if you got somebody who's going to come in and and turn this into a rent house, uh, well, let's just use a two thousand square foot house. They're going to turn it into a uh, rent house that you're collecting, you know, thirty five hundred dollars a month versus a rent house that's going to bring you $1,800 a month, you're going to have a price difference in the make-ready because you've got a skill set difference. When you're hiring contractors or individuals to do this kind of work, you're not just paying for the work that you're having done. You're paying for the skill level that that person has acquired over the years. So... You know, it depends on how you want it to look when it's all said and done. I again, prices are on their way down right now. So the every really every week that goes by, stuff is dropping a little bit. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to thipro.com.